Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. I'm Mike Kachopoli. I almost forgot what day it was. That's how bad things are. But it is Wednesday, the 9th, the day after. November 9th, the morning after. I feel like I have a hangover, like post, post-election post hangover. Does anybody else feel that way? That they're like hungover? That's the way I feel. And I swear to you, I didn't have one drink, even though we were, we were at a bar, the San Francisco Republican Party. Yes, they exist. We were at a bar uh, last night, uh, election night. I didn't have one drink the whole night. But now I feel like I'm I'm hungover. I'm hungover. And trying just trying to assess things, you know, you try to assess. I don't know why they call it postmortem. Postmortem is like after someone's dead, right? This is an ongoing living organism election, right? Politics is an ongoing thing. It, there's no death here. It's just it it's uh you try to figure out what the next move is or how you maybe adjust to do better in two years. But what's really, I think, shocking to me is how you have both Democrats and Donald Trump claiming that they won. Both Democrats and Donald Trump claiming they did well. Now, if you need a more wacky world, a more clown car universe than that, I don't know what you, I mean, Democrats and Trump. Two polar opposites, right? How do Democrats win and Trump win at the same time? That would seemingly be impossible. And it is impossible. But what is possible, believe it or not, even though they're opposite sides, follow my logic, is they both can lose. And my feeling is they both lost. Now, let me explain. I want you know, I always like to be logical, right? I always like to be logical on this show and use logic. So let, let me let me try here. Democrats didn't win. They'll claim they won. They, they, they play the game. And part of it is the fault of the bad polling. Part of it is the fault of the, you know, the hyperbole about Republicans winning the universe. And partly it's and both parties will do this when they're on the when they believe to be on a losing end. They'll try to hype it up. They'll try to hype up the other party to make people believe that they're going to win big. And then when they just win and don't win big, it makes it look like they've won. You see, that's the psychological game that they play. So Democrats and the media hyped up this idea of the Republicans winning so huge that a regular I knew this ahead of time. I said a regular old victory will make it the Democrats will make it look like they've won and the Republicans lost because there was supposed to be this huge wave. But. When you say there was when I say there was supposed to be this huge wave, what what led us to believe there would be a huge wave? Right. It's almost like we people create what they want. You don't know what's going to happen until it happens. That's what voting's all about. You don't know what's going to happen until it happens. So you go by the polls or you go by pundits. So it's, when you say there's going to be a wave one way or the other, it's usually polls and pundits. Right. You got talking heads saying it and the polling saying it. Right. And that combines to give an illusion of something that is going to happen that hasn't actually manifested itself yet. Now, I believe we live in such a divided country that no blue or red 
no side can ever wave. It's not going to happen for a very long time because we're so divided that it's impossible. People will go back to their camps. Even if their president sucks, they'll go back to their camp and vote for their camp. Okay, even if their party has not done a good job, they're still going to vote for their party because they won't vote for the other party. This works both ways, people. So forget about waves or tsunamis. It's never going to happen. It might not happen in, a, in my lifetime, in the lifetime of anyone listening to this podcast, because we are so divided now. So let's take a look at what happened in 2020. If you remember, go back two years, the polls and the pundits said the Democrats, Biden was going to win and have these huge coattails. And the Dem- it's going to be an air. Remember what the Democrats and the pundits and the polls said in 2020, it would be an anti-Trump tidal wave. Biden would win. The Democrats would take the House and Senate in huge numbers. Well, Biden did win, but the Democrats didn't take the House and Senate in huge numbers. They had a five seat slim majority in the House and they needed to win those two runoffs in Georgia to make it 50 50 with Kamala being the tiebreaker in the Senate. So the Democrats, everyone said, oh, the Democrats underperformed, blah, blah. But did they really? Once again, this idea of waves so the same thing happened this time to the Republicans. It's going to be an anti-Biden wave. And the Republicans are going to win 56 in the Senate. And they're going to get to 260 in the House. And it doesn't happen. Oh, and the Republicans underperform. But we keep doing this. Every other year, we hype up one party or the other. In 2020, the Democrats were hyped up to win everything. In 2022, the Republicans were hyped up to win anything. And in both regards, the party will probably end up winning. Okay, the Democrats won the presidency. They won the House. They won the Senate. They were the winners in 2020. The only thing you can do in the midterm is win or lose the House and Senate, right? The presidency is not at stake. We'll we'll put the governors to the side. The only thing you can do in Congress is win the House or the Senate. If you win the House and the Senate, you're a winner. If you lose the House and the Senate, you're a loser. Am I making too much sense here? As I speak, it looks like Democrats will almost absolutely lose the House. It looks like maybe 225 seats now for Republicans, right? So the Democrats are losers when it comes to the House. They will lose the gavel. They will lose the Speaker of the House. The Republicans win that. The Senate, as I speak, is getting more and more to the point of where it will at least be, at least be up to the runoff in Georgia again. At the worst for the Republicans, it looks like. It looks like Laxalt will win in Nevada when they finally will talk about the fucking horrible vote counting in a second. But it looks like when they when they finally most people can agree Laxalt will win. OK, and then there'll only be Arizona and Georgia left if if and it looks more likely than not. The Washington Post, hardly right leaning, hardly rooting for Republicans, has said by the time the votes are counted, it's more likely than not that Blake Masters is going to win. There are 650,000 outstanding ballots out of mostly Maricopa County, which has been generally a right-leaning county, and they're all ballots delivered on Election Day, which tend to be Republicans. So the Washington Post gives Blake Masters a better than 50-50 shot of winning that. If that happens, then the runoff means nothing when it comes to the control of the Senate. The Democrats, if they win Nevada and Arizona, will have control. They'll have at least 51 seats. The Walker would be a 52. But at the worst scenario, if Georgia, if Arizona doesn't go the Republicans way, it will come down to the runoff. So it's still very possible, more likely than not, better than 50-50, the Republicans will also win the Senate. That means they've won. The Democrats will have lost. If you lose, the, if you have, once again, I know this is, makes too much sense. 
if you have the House and Senate before the election and you no longer have it after the election, you're lost. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many seats. The Republicans need 51 for the majority in the Senate, and they need 218 for the majority in the House. If they get the 51 and the 218, they've won. They haven't lost, okay? So let's put that into reality. Even though Biden, blah, 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 blah will claim that they won and blah, 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 it's bullshit. They've lost. They lost. Now, let's go to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is claiming that he won for those same reasons I just said. They're going to win the House and Senate. But we know that's bullshit because he promised and they promised a tidal wave because of how bad Biden was, his low approval, and how bad things are in the country, right? 80% think it's in the wrong direction. Biden's approval is 39 all these elements that have come together, we never had all come together before, right? 8% inflation, high gas prices, wokeness, COVID regulations, all of this stuff was going to lead to a more, uh, more of a wave than normal in a midterm, right? And Trump pumped up all these candidates in these swing states, and they all lost. Most of them lost. So... <laughs> If you look at the candidates that Trump touched the most, they lost. He did not have a good positive touch. He had kind of a poison touch. All right. Now, we can argue who lost more, the Democrats or Trump. But they both lost. Okay. They both lost. Because Democrats will lose control of the House and probably the Senate. And all these candidates that Trump said were going to win, Dr. Oz, uh, uh, Bolduc, all these all these people he backed in the primary against the more traditional Republicans that he bashed, that they were rhinos and full of shit, lost. When they was, the polls said they were going to win. Pundit said they were going to win. Donald Trump said they were going to win. They said they were going to win. And we we're going to have this abnormal wave because Trump was so powerful. But Trump is not powerful. If, you want, if you're a Trump supporter, the best I can say is he's kind of milquetoast neutral. He doesn't have much oomph anymore. Now, who won then? If, if Democrats and Trump both lost, who are the winners? Well, the Republicans in general won. They're going to win. The, they didn't have, once again, very simple. They didn't have the House and Senate before the election. They'll have it after. They've won. They flipped both chambers. They won the midterms. The biggest winner, obviously, as I said last night, is Ron DeSantis. There's absolutely no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. That was a tidal wave. That was an incredible, weird uh, result that we've never seen in Florida before in our lifetime. I think one network said, uh, yeah, one network said, what was I going to say? One network said that Florida is now resembles Arkansas more than the old Florida. Florida more resembles Arkansas now than a, than a purple swing state. It is that red now. If you looked at it, he won like 52 or 57 counties. He won Miami-Dade by 11. By 11. Clinton won it by 30 in 2016. Uh, Biden won it by 8 last time, two years ago. And now Ron DeSantis flipped it, and he won by 11. Okay? So... 
Ron DeSantis is the huge winner here. Everyone knows that. The Democrats know it. The Republicans know it. And Donald Trump knows it. And Donald Trump knows it. They, he is the big winner of this whole thing. Now, does that mean he's going to run for president? No. No. So he's going to have to make a real pivot, Ron DeSantis, because Ron DeSantis has often talked about how Florida, how he did it right, how they did it right, how everyone else did it wrong. And he doesn't care what anyone else thinks about Florida. Well, if you're running for president, then you got to care what everyone else thinks, right, about you and your policies. So he'll have to make a pivot to I don't care to now I want to make the rest of America like Florida. And let me show you. So what Ron DeSantis is going to need to do is say, rest of America, this is why you want to be like Florida. Let me show you what I've done, what we have done in Florida that made us win by 20 points and a million and a half votes. Let me show you. Do you want this? Do you want this economy? Do you want this uh, tourism? Do you want this? He can't promise their weather, obviously. But do you, do, you, do you want freedom? Right. Do you want your businesses thriving? Do you want a great quality of life? Do you want to love where you live? Like the people in Florida love where they live. They love it there. People in Florida aren't like me. They're not like people from California, New York, who can't wait to get the fuck out. There's no one in Florida, or I should say very few people in Florida. Like you should, there's always, always one or two that can't wait to get the fuck out and move to New York or California. But there are so many people in New York, California who already left. And now with, with, with uh, Newsom and Hochul winning again, there'll be more people leaving and going to places like Texas and Georgia and Florida. So people in Florida like their lives. That's the point. They live a good quality of life and they like their lives. And you won't hear many of them talking like me where I hate this shithole I live. No one talks like that in Florida. Okay. So Ron DeSantis needs to show the rest of the country that. Needs to show the rest of the country that. That's why I say a DeSantis-Newsom matchup is great for the, for the Republicans. Because Newsom has to then say, here, rest of the country, be like California. Yeah, good luck with that, Hair Gel King. Good, good luck with that. So I think that is the best matchup. It is absolutely the best. Once again, I know common sense and logic doesn't make doesn't matter in politics anymore. And if Ron DeSantis decides personally he doesn't want to go through the grueling ordeal of running for president, you'll have to deal with that. I'll be very unhappy. But that is still a possibility, right? So then we have Donald Trump. Let's look at Donald Trump for a second. You know, I try my best not to have Trump derangement syndrome. I really do. I think I've made myself clear in the year that I've been doing this podcast that I don't really care for him, but I don't have this burning desire to hate him, right? I don't have this visceral hatred of Donald Trump like a lot of people have. But he's not making it easy for me to stay that way simply because he's acting like a little childish prick. Now, people will say, oh, Mike, he always acts that way. Well, I think it's getting worse now. And I think the proof it's getting worse is that there are people who actually like him who are now saying, you know, it's almost like when your friends know you're kind of an ass, but they stick with you because, you know, you're they're your friend and in that circle. But after a while, you do some things that are like even your friends are like, Ugh, come on, man. And they, his friends now you're seeing that on social media and in the news media, you're seeing his friends saying this isn't good. 
this is too far. Maybe it's time to step aside. So there's this rumor, obviously, I'm sure it's a rumor and bullshit that Donald Trump took a tantrum after the results last night. And of course, the, the, the left wing media is running with it, that Donald Trump took this tantrum. Now, once again, I'm not here to be Donald Trump's lawyer. And like I said, he's annoying me now. But what's interesting is the left wing media totally poo pooed the rumor. And these are all rumors because we don't know. We're not part of the inner circle of Donald Trump. And we weren't part of the inner circle of Hillary Clinton when she lost. But we heard these rumors that she went crazy and was screaming at people and throwing things. Yet the left wing media said, oh, no, that's rumor. No, that's not Hillary, blah, 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 blah. Right? So that was all rumor and innuendo and right wing horseshit. But this, of course, is absolutely true, right? Even though there's no proof it's true. And Trump himself came out and said, I'm not mad at all. It's quite the opposite. I won. Why would I be mad if I won? Well, that makes sense. So <laughs> that's it. Once again, we get this double stand in the media. But what Donald Trump has done, what we can prove he's done, is put out tweets. Well, two days ago, he called Ron the sanctimonious. That was garbage. And then he puts out a tweet today because he knows. You see, he knows people are saying he lost and DeSantis won. Now that, I'm not saying that makes a man to throw things, but you know that gets under his skin that people, including his friends, are saying that DeSantis won and he lost. So Donald Trump goes on Twitter and says, well, I got more votes than him. He got Whatever he got, 4.6 million votes. I got more votes when I ran for president last time. Well, you fucking idiot. That was a presidential election. This is a midterm. So more people turn out for president. You also got more votes against you, schmuck face, than he did. Because it's a midterm, not a presidential election. So once again, does he know he's mixing apples and oranges? Also, does he know he won Florida by two points and DeSantis won it by 20? How about that? That he won it by two and DeSantis won it by 20. That DeSantis got independents and Democrats that Trump could never get. Trump got Republicans. And that's it. He got a lot of Republicans to come out and vote for him in a presidential election. Big shit. But once again, he's being a child. Who cares? Who cares that you got maybe 300,000 more votes than Ron DeSantis got? Who gives a shit? That is such a fucking prick childish, infantile thing to say the day after Ron DeSantis has a huge victory. All he should be saying is, congratulations, Ron, on your huge victory. You're the governor of the state I decided to move to and I fucking live in. That's what he should be saying. That's it. Congratulations and shut the fuck up. That's all. But he can't do that. So it was thing. It was things like him saying Ronda Sanctimony. Once again, here's the problem. Here's the problem. When it comes to people like Jeb Bush and Chris Christie and Ted Cruz, you got a lot of Republicans who don't like those people. They just don't like them. They believe that this is these establishment Republican schlubs and they don't care for them. OK, so it was easy for him to go after them because so many Republicans were behind him in going after them. Ron DeSantis is liked by Republicans. He's adored by Republicans. They know what they got with Ron DeSantis. So they don't want Trump going after Ron DeSantis. Now, not that they mind a primary between Trump and DeSantis and some other people. That's the way it goes. That's politics. You're not anointed anything. But they don't like Trump using his cheap tricks, his cheap nicknames, his stupid tweets going after Ron DeSantis. They don't like that. 
That offends them. Going after Jeb Bush didn't offend them. Going after Ron DeSantis offends them, you see? And that's where Trump is going to see the difference moving forward. That Ron DeSantis, you know, I made a joke. I said Ron DeSantis needs to come out a la Goodfellas and say, you know, maybe you hadn't heard. Maybe you've been away from a a while, Donald, but uh, I'm no Jeb Bush. Now go get now go get your fucking hair gel. You know, but that's the kind of thing. Basically, Ron DeSantis is not going to take the shit that Jeb Bush took and the Republican Party is not going to allow Donald Trump to get away with the pulled the shit he pulled against Jeb Bush when it comes to Ron DeSantis. Simply because on top of liking Ron DeSantis, they don't want Trump to put any chinks in Ron DeSantis's armor should Ron DeSantis be the nominee. You see, let the Democrats try to do that. But Republicans shouldn't be doing that. A Republican shouldn't be hurting another Republican, especially Republican people like and is basically the de facto leader of the party right now. It would almost be it, it, it's it's almost like in a way, I mean, I think Republicans like DeSantis a lot more than Democrats like Biden, but he is the president of the United States. OK, he is the Democratic president of the United States, making him the de facto leader of the party. They wouldn't want Gavin Newsom coming out and making fun of Biden now. They wouldn't put up with it. They wouldn't put up with anyone doing it. That's why these Democrats have to go on TV and go, hamana, hamana. do you want him to run again? No, hamana, hamana, hamana. They can't say it's if. If they're honest for a second and let it slip that he shouldn't run, they get creamed by the party. They get creamed. And this is a guy with a 39 approval, not a guy, well, DeSantis, who's got like a 70% approval in Florida. You see? But it's one of their own, and he's the leader of the party, and they don't want them going. They don't want people within their party going after the leader. And that's the way it is right now with Ron DeSantis. Trump won't learn his lesson. He simply won't. I'm, I'm, everyone is sure. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't announce on Tuesday that he's running for president in Mar-a-Lago with a marching band and fireworks to try to pound his chest and make everyone else afraid. But this isn't going to work. This just isn't going to work this time around. It's not. It's not. And I think Trump, if he really didn't want to be embarrassed, and I don't think he's the kind of guy that likes to be embarrassed, won't run. We'll come up with an excuse. Age, health. He can even make something up like, um, it's so rigged, I don't want to go through that again. Look at how they rig it all the time. You know what? They want to rig it, let them rig it. I'm not going to be part of that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this for two years just so the right, the left can rig elections. He could say something like that, right? He can continue with his election denial stuff and just move aside. You know? Because I think it would be really embarrassing for him to get his ass kicked in a primary by Ron DeSantis. And I believe he would get his ass kicked in a primary. Part of it would be that Ron DeSantis is a great candidate. And part of it would be Trump would just be a schmuck, an idiot, an asshole, continue doing what he's doing now. And the Republican Party is going to turn on him. So I don't think it's a smart thing for him to run against Ron DeSantis. But I don't think his ego will let him not run. That's what I'm saying. I don't think his ego will let him not run. So he's going to get the comeuppance he deserves. Like I said, this is my, I'll get to you one second. My final, the, the uh, callers, my final thought right now is, uh, I think Ron DeSantis can give a good comeuppance to Trump and then Newsom back to back. And I think that would be a great year. Okay. If he levels Trump and Newsom in the same election. And I think he can.
Gator. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. So... You came. <laughs> oh, where'd you go? That's Iggy. Where'd he go? He was just there. He was just there. Maybe his internet went out. That's Iggy. He keeps changing his name to a different... I always think it's a different person. It's the same guy. But he just uh, cut off. All right, so I was just keeping that train of thought. Um, I think that... Oh, there he is. Iggy, you want to come back on? Okay, hold on. You see it? Sorry, I think so off with my ear against the phone. Um, yeah, um, overall, you um, how pissed, how disappointed are you? Because I know you're, you're, you've got mixed emotions about it, but are you massively disappointed or not? Am I massively disappointed? No. No, no, I think in the end... Oh, here, thank you. I think the best of both worlds will happen, which is the Republicans in the end taking control of the House and Senate, which is what I've always wanted, and it being so slim that Trump gets bashed. You see what I'm saying? So, the, notice the Republicans lose, I mean, Democrats lose, and Trump loses. I think that's the best of both worlds here. I really do. We get the House and Senate, we get control, we get the hearings that we've wanted, we'll get the hearings and all that stuff, and yet Trump's, a lot of Trump's hand-picked, candidate, hand-picked candidates went, went down. I think that's a yeah. great thing. I think it's a, okay. It could, it could really work. I'm not, and I'm not trying to twist this. I think it can really work out well. I really do. Okay, because because what I'm just wondering now is this post-election um, wash-up about basically Trump's tainted these people. I mean, why is that? Why was that not being identified before the before the primary uh, before the midterms? By who though? Identified well, by who? I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, whoever's saying it now, because if the analysis now is. These people have had a bad outcome because they te- they <clears throat> Trump has affected them or tainted them. That knowledge must have been there before. Well, yeah. I mean, remember there were a lot of people. Once again, though, you don't know the result until you get the result, right? In other words, we didn't know the touch Trump was going to have. It could have been great, right? Who knows? If all the candidates won, it would have been a big boon for him, and he would have had the <laughs> right to take that credit. But we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. But there were plenty of people who were very upset that his candidates won the primaries and not the more standard establishment candidates. At the time these primaries were happening through the spring and summer, many pundits on both sides were saying, remember, the Democrats wanted these people to win. They put the Democrats put money, okay, against the other people, the establishment people, because they wanted the Trump candidates to win because they thought they were the easiest to beat. And in many cases they were right. And people were saying that at the time, you know, they were saying that the Trump candidates are too extreme and maybe we should maybe they should go with the more conservative, the establishment conservative candidates, the non-Trump candidates, if you will. And so there was that battle going on. But most of the Trump candidates ended up winning. But we didn't know. You don't know the result until the election's over. But now we know the result. And the result mm-hmm. is Trump is not a very powerful person. Right OK, now. so. Um, look, forgive me for not knowing all the results now. How, how many of them won? How many of his of his candidates won? You see, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. If, I know certain ones that are definitely his candidates, but I know there were some of them that weren't his candidates. Not that he didn't want them, but you know, see, he was neutral in some things. So I'm not sure exactly which ones. I do know that Kerry Lake, the governor of Arizona, who right now could probably win, is definitely his candidate. 
Uh, I believe Blake Masters, who once again may or may not win, we don't know yet, is definitely his candidate. I'm not sure about Laxalt in Nevada. Okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure about Lombardo and Bla- and, and Laxalt in Nevada. Okay. But but he, so, but I'll tell you, people like Don Bolduc, the general, the admiral, who general I believe ran in New Hampshire, absolutely 100% his candidate and got. Here's another point: a lot of his candidates didn't just lose; they got they got kiboshed. I mean, he lost by like 11 points in in New Hampshire. Um, you know, like Tudor Dixon in Michigan lost by like seven points. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, um, oh, Oz. Oz lost by four points now. You know, so those, but those were big, uh, those were big races, you know. Herschel Walker could end up losing very possibly. He ended up with, he ended up with a low, he ended up with least, uh, fewer votes than uh, Warnock, but it's going to a runoff because Warnock didn't get to 50. Yeah. But Herschel Walker could still end up losing that. He's definitely Trump candidate. You know, okay. so it's, once again, there were a lot of these big races where his candidate was supposed to win or where he said they had a bad chance of winning and they didn't just lose, they lost by a pretty decent margin. Yeah. Okay, so, so. But what, if, what if this analysis and this blaming of Trump, and I'll just call it that, I, I don't mean to be rude or dismissive of it, it's just quicker to, for me to describe it as that. Um, <laughs> pinning, pinning that on Trump, what if that's wrong and that's just a confirmation bias after the fact um, okay. Doing some autumn analysis. What's the proof that that's a certain? Well, um, you know, it's not. You want you want proof in politics. I mean, there's no proof. It's not like a uh, yeah. Okay, it's not like a baseball game where there are absolute numbers or a. Here, here's the deal, though. The Democrats remember what the Democrats were doing, especially the last month. They were playing the MAGA card, right? MAGA Biden couldn't stop saying MAGA, right? MAGA, MAGA, King of MAGA, MAGA. All these candidates are MAGA, MAGA. So they were putting all their marbles on the fact that if they tainted these candidates as Trump candidates, that would help them win. And it, it, it worked. It worked. They tainted them as Trump candidates. And it works. So the Democrats is coming out and making this about MAGA and election denying. And you know, it's making it about Trump and tying his candidates to him. Obviously, the result showed that worked. Okay, right. If that's true, right, just just go forwards, right, and you into a situation where either the Republicans are trying to pick between um, putting forward Trump or putting forward DeSantis, but actually, theoretically, it could be possible that DeSantis and Trump end enter the primaries together and competition ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. And, and at some point through that process, one of them has to concede and and back the other, right, for the for the good of the presidency, right? Right. Or, or literally, there is a pick, and and the, and the GOP says we back one of you, but we're not backing both because it's counterproductive, right? Yeah. What What would be the What would be the the problem could come that ultimately it doesn't matter because DeSantis is kind of like too small a single phenomenon to not trans transmit across the country right and that would be the worst thing for you to find out because then you would have to face the reality that it's not just trump's fault right it wasn't today was or yesterday wasn't just tr- a trump thing yeah right do you see what i mean i understand but, but, but with the, here here but taking florida as a case study let's say 
if this was Alabama or Mississippi, I'd say oh, you can't tell. But Florida, remember, is, is a melting pot of different people. It's a melting pot of Democrats, Republicans. Republicans just recently took the lead in voter registration. For many, many years, it was Democrats, Latinos, African-Americans, whites, working class women. So it's, a, it's 21 million people's third largest state. So it's a really melting pot of people. And yet DeSantis was basically able to get almost every demographic not just get every demographic by a point, by multiple points. So that is, when you're talking about getting the Latino population in Miami, totally flipping that. And once again, when you talk about Floridians, you're not talking about extreme ideologies. You're not. Some, the, you know, the left likes to paint them that way, but they're not. You're talking about people that have moved from New York, moved from California, moved from the upper Midwest to go to nicer weather, you know, a lot of older people. But you're not talking about this extreme deep South you know, quote unquote, Jim Crow like, ideology that the Democrats like to talk about. So since you have such a good melting pot of people, I think it's a really good case study, you see. And DeSantis was able to get all of them. Something that de- something Trump in 2016 and 2020, he wasn't able to get all of these Democrats voting for him, all these Latinos, all these black that Trump that DeSantis. See, DeSantis has been able to get groups that Republicans have never been able to get. And he got it in a place with very moderate ideologies. So I think that really does translate well and will translate well to the rest of the country. And when he makes his case, you know, what did you do? For, you know, when a governor runs, it's often what did you do for your state? Right. When a governor runs for president, what did you do for your state? And they'll say, I did this. I did this. And he'll, he'll be able to show the receipts of what he did in Florida that so many other governors weren't able to do over the last three or four years. And I think that's really going to translate well. Is it going to work in California, New York? Probably not. But who cares? doesn't matter. Those states never matter. They won't vote for Republican. doesn't matter who it is. So I think it will translate well, though, in Pennsylvania. I think it will translate well in Ohio, in Iowa, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Arizona, in Georgia, in the places where you need to win a presidential election. And I think I think he's I, I, I look, I'm not a prediction person. Um and I, you know, after the last couple of elections, I don't want to make predictions anymore. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ran and he, 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 he won in very big fashion, B- bigger than we've seen in a while. You know, I just think I think he has a lot to bring. As also, he's a good speaker. He's a good campaigner. He's a good debater. He, 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 uh, he's good with, you know, he's good at not taking shit from the, not letting the media create the narrative. He's very good at that stuff. So very incredibly well-educated guy, well-rounded guy, young, young, half the age of most of these people who have been running for president lately. I think people are, are, are wanting a younger person as well, fresher face. I just don't see any downside right now. I mean, look, there'll be a primary season. There'll be ups and downs. There'll be crit- criticisms. There'll be flubs. There'll be missteps. That always happens. But I think in the end, I don't see how a Donald Trump can beat him and more importantly, as I've told my Republican friends, I, if you want the better candidate in the general election, it's, it's Ron DeSantis. I mean, he just doesn't have the baggage. Come on, all the baggage Trump has. He got so much baggage. Come on. And whether you agree with this stuff or think it's real or not, the baggage is still there. Perception is reality, right? So you got the January 6th stuff. You got his Mar-a-Lago investigation. You got the documents. You got the Russia. You got this. You got the that. What do you need all that for? Why do you need a candidate with all that baggage when you got someone that doesn't have it? Yeah, but okay. So on that last point, the problem that you've got that Donald Trump represents but doesn't end 
with Donald Trump is that all of those things that you just mentioned, mentioned are essentially fabricated by the DNC, right? And so essentially what you are admitting is that the DNC's manipulation tactics and bullshit works, right? Now, so Donald Trump represents a problem for American politics in general, which is that unless somehow the guy is willing and able enough to fight long enough and hard enough to prove that those things are garbage, and the and RussiaGate is has gotten to that point, right? Yeah. The Durham, the Durham investigation is still critical, as I understand it, because it's actually fundamental to showing how bad that corruption is. Right. And even though people say, some people say, oh, the Durham case is bullshit because it's not, it, these people are getting off. There's another school of thought, which I don't know whether it's going to be accurate or not, only time will tell, which says that the value of Durham is not in trying to pursue the Russian guy or the first guy who got off. The, the value of it is that it's setting up the system and the other higher player people in the system to essentially it's following a trail of corruption up the food chain by revealing information through each of these lowercase discoveries and right. prosecutions regard, irrespective of the outcome right mm -hmm. now if if trump walks off and never is heard of again politically and and a lot of these things around him don't get fully resolved right then the dnc's techniques for damaging a candidate have have still work and, and, and basically all you need is them to choose to do the same thing again to oh, DeSantis. But, but, but both sides can do that. Both sides have the ability and the power to do that to people. But you see, the thing about Donald Trump that makes him such a unique individual, and once again, I think a lot of this stuff is bullshit too. Um, although some might take the devil's advocate uh, position of where there's smoke, there's fire. But that's the point of Donald Trump. He, he, a lot, he, he brings a lot of this on himself by being who he is. Not just the media personality he was or the incredibly wealthy guy he was or the circles he traveled in, but his personality, his demeanor, the way he, he, he yipes at people, the way he snipes at people, the way he takes them down in the most crass fashion. So he's brought a lot of this. On, he, in other words, he's made it easier <laughs> for the people to believe that this stuff could stick to him than someone like DeSantis or even Newsom or other people who have run in the past. You know, So I, I think it's just that Donald Trump has brought so much of this on himself, you know, by being a wealthy guy with some shady de business dealings in the past and just being the kind of belligerent person he is. You know, he doesn't it's not he doesn't have the savvy to fight these things off the way a DeSantis might have the savvy to fight these things off. You know, Donald Trump is like, I guess you go into that street fighter mode. But when you go into street fighter mode, you're going to get very bloody no matter how good you are. You know, and, and so I think that's that's a problem with Donald Trump. He's not look, Ron DeSantis, I think, is much, much more refined politically than Donald Trump is. I just think he is, you know, and even when you get to that point, a governor often makes the best president simply because they're used to dealing with legislatures. And that's part of the deal when you're president of the United States. So when you have a guy like another positive for DeSantis is that he's a, dealing with a legislature that was very mixed in Florida. You know, so he knows how to deal with that kind of divided kind of legislature. It wasn't all right wingers the way it is in some of those southern states. So he's got a lot going for him. I mean, if you're listening to this, I'm sure if he's listening to this podcast, he's he's ready to go because I'm 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 pumping him up so much. But I just think Donald Trump brings a lot of this stuff on him. He's a unique. Let's put it this way. Yeah, the Democrats can do this to anybody. The Republicans can do this to anybody. I think 
Donald Trump is a unique case. Have we ever seen this before? Not really. Not, not to this extent. We haven't seen it before. You know, so I, I just think he does bring a lot of this, you know. And look, there could be elements here and there that are true. Maybe he was just being an obnoxious prick with those documents. Not that they're actually top secret or they're that important, but maybe he was just being the obnoxious prick he often is. Saying, fuck you, they're mine. Come and get them. Make me, make me give them back to you. And once again, he brings this shit on himself. He just brings it on himself. You know, and I, I think that's part of the baggage that we don't need anymore. You know what? You don't live here. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not like uh, saying what you're saying is meaningless because you don't live here. I'm not trying to do that. But I'm saying is people who live here are tired of it. They're just tired of his drama. They're tired of all the drama around him. They're tired of his, you know, op- constantly opening his mouth and going after people he shouldn't be going after. He shouldn't be going after Ron DeSantis. The, the case in point. He should. All right. He wants to go after Joe Biden. Great. It's the opposite party. He wants to go after Newsom. Great. But why are you going after Ron DeSantis? Why? Because Donald Trump is the kind of guy who's got to be like a tornado to anyone he perceives is his political opponent. And that's problematic. Yeah. OK. OK. Um, OK. But so. Basically. Why you've you've got you've got somebody senile running the country, right? And at what point are you going to definitely know whether he is actually going to stand again as the next uh, as Biden is going to run again? Is is there, is there a cutoff at which point he or can he run right up until the beginning of the primaries? Look, I think there are two things that both party wants, whether they'll admit it or not. I think the Democrats want Trump to be the nominee, and I think Republicans want Biden to be the nominee. Okay, because I think each party knows those people are the easiest people to beat. I think Democrats would love to see Trump be the nominee again. I think Republicans would love it if Biden were to run again and therefore there'd be no primary and he would be the nominee. They'd want him. They want him badly to run. for. They want him badly for him to believe Democrats won and he won yesterday and he should he should run for reelection. They want that badly. I don't think Biden's going to run again. I think there are plenty of people in the party who know. That they're fucked. We fucked again. Okay. What? Um, what's what's the latest point though that he can announce that? Is it um, is it the beginning of the primaries or is there some date? Is there some key key indicative date or can you just do it last minute? I'm sorry. Say that again. What's the latest point that that you'd know Biden was? Well, I mean, out? you know, there's a latest point. Is there's no real what do you call it? There's no. I, I don't know of a deadline, but usually, usually, they like to announce by the spring of next year, or the spring of the year before, and it's usually understood that if you don't, you're probably not going to run. And and I think Biden doesn't want to hurt the other people in his party who might run. He does, he wouldn't want them to have to wait too long, so he's probably going to announce. Early, I'd say by early January or February of next year. That's what I would. I, I would assume by then, by after the holidays, we'll announce one way or the other. Just because he wants people in the party to know, you know, you're going to run or you're not going to run, and he doesn't want to hurt them and have to wait too long to get in. So I, I think he'll announce very early. I think he'll announce very early. But you know, like I said, even with Trump, this whole idea. Even if there had been a total red wipeout and all of his candidates won, the idea, just the, the goal of a guy announcing this early that you're running for president, it's just, it, it, it shows how obnoxious the man is. 
and, and doing it just because you want to show everyone, don't get in my fucking way. Don't even think about running. Let me put you at ease. You know, that's ridiculous. All right. He's not the fucking king. He doesn't have an 80 year old white guy. doesn't have any fucking thing coming to him. I'm sorry. He doesn't have the presidency coming to him at his fucking age and who he is. So it's like it just that that alone annoyed the hell out of me. It's unheard of. Believe me, I know Mike, it's unheard of for a candidate to announce a week after the midterms they're running for election, especially if they have a name. Usually someone who's not known has to announce early like Obama did. But if you're <laughs> if you're a name like Donald Trump, he could wait till July or August of next year if you wanted to. But, but Mike, if Trump, the second coming of Trump is the prophecy of Q, isn't it? So it has to happen. It will happen. Don't deny that. I don't know. That's a, what is that code speak? What did you just say? Uh, I, I don't know. There's some. There's some. There's somebody on here on calling. One of the people who's very, who, she, you know, she is very much a QAnon Trumpist, and and I, you know, I find it interesting to listen to her and her perspective. I don't agree with it, um, but what I find is the interesting thing about that idea that you know the whole QAnon uh, Trump is the second coming and is here to save us, and there's a big white hat semi-military uh, uprising that's going on. Have you heard all of that? They wouldn't. They wouldn't send someone better looking. Well, yeah, maybe better hair. Um, but also, um, they, you know, the, the the idea being that, um, but basically, as I said to this person, the interesting thing about having this belief is that it's time bound. It's it's like it's like being part of um, an apocalyptical Christian cult or faith or whatever, um, where they're saying, well, if the world does end and they've set a date of March the twenty third you know 2025 come and if that date comes and goes then you can and it's wrong you can just move on and get on with your life and that's it it's the same thing with trump now the QAnon people believe that you know he's going to be the next president and that is the sort of end of times stroke world's greatest awakening or something like that um and obviously obviously that's that's fixed in stone now so 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 i look forward to the date i could deal with some kind of you know a little bit of uh conspiracy stuff a little bit of this you know apocalyptic thing I, I can deal with a little bit of this stuff but i can't deal with too much of it you know even the people now and i'll, I'll talk about the election integrity in a second with, with the shit that's going on in nevada and arizona oh yeah that was like, yeah, us, yeah they're constantly saying oh they're stealing it from us they're stealing it well i tell you what then if you know they steal it election after election why aren't you fucking ready for it and if you're not ready for it you're a loser this constant complaining that they're stealing from it. What? Oh, the Democrats have all the power and money. The Republicans have no power and money. The Republicans can't steal things. They can't steal. They can't steal better. It's so stupid. You know, mm. there are problems with the elections in this country. There are problems with what's going on in Nevada and Arizona. It doesn't give people like me confidence in elections. We should not spend. Look, look how how long does it take for the elections to be decided in your country? An hour. Oh, uh, yeah, a night, basically. Well, okay, but it's a smaller country. But as Glenn Greenwald said, Brazil has about the same amount of voters as the United States because they have mandatory voting there, and they get it all done in one night. Yeah, what yes. is this with Arizona and Nevada? And it's always it's, – Arizona's been the constant lately. They're like the new Florida. But see, the, see, Florida, they had those problems in 2000, right? Florida had those issues in 2000, and they fixed it. They went in, they fixed that stupid Chad system, and now look at them. A state of, how does a state of 21 million people get everything done in a couple of hours, but a state of 8 million people can't? A state okay, of 5 but, million people takes a week and a half. It doesn't make any sense. So this kind of stuff is real. This yeah, kind of but why, also, why though, why, though, were so many voting systems not working? 
that's part of it. Yes. And I mean, it not, doesn't, but, you know, when the person I'm, running against Kerry Lake Dobbs is the fucking secretary of state and you have yeah. these problems. Okay. It so doesn't also, but also you know? one of the questions I was going to ask, I forgot, but you reminded me is there isn't, there, you know, from, I don't read a lot of, I don't read a lot of the mainstream media anymore. I could just scan a little bit of it. So I'll be off. I don't know what commentary has been made about this, but there now doesn't seem to be this, the, the steel argument on either side doesn't seem to be being peddled from what I can tell, as you said, right? But at what point, what are the boundaries between how close an election needs to be or how far away it needs to be for people to go in this state that's dodgy? I mean, I don't know what those boundaries are, but like if you look at Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, he got in by 1%. Right. There's, a, there's another there's another person who where the electoral vote is like less than one percent. And I'm just I don't mean I don't have enough knowledge to know any of this stuff. But at what point do you get suspicious because they're either too close or they're either too far away? I mean, is there some kind of analysis place that's doing well, that stuff? You know, generally in other countries, we've looked at exit polling. Right. Generally, election observers in other countries have looked at exit polls. And if the actual results of the elections are too far away from the exit polls, they assume there's some kind of hanky-panky going on. Right? It seems like in this country, we don't, we don't care about that anymore. Because even these exit polls uh, yesterday showed like 80% of the country saying they didn't like Biden, 75% saying they're going the wrong direction, most of them saying the economy and immigration. Was and yet, look what happens. The Republicans don't have this wave. If you look at those, that's why people during the day when they saw these exit polls coming out said it's going to be this huge bloodbath, but it didn't add up to the exit polls. Now, now, though, though, in the end, Democrats, Republicans will probably win the House and Senate. So, OK, they're still going to win. So more people still voted for them. And if you look at the popular vote, by the way, Republicans won the popular vote by like six percent. That's a pretty good popular vote margin. So maybe the exit polls and the actual results weren't that far off when you look at Republicans winning the popular vote by, by six points. That's a, that's a solid win. But that's generally, I think, the way people look at these elections. See, the exit poll, that's, that's the way our election observers have done in other countries where they've had problems. You look at exit polls and the exit polls point to one candidate losing badly and he ends up winning, you go, uh-oh, something, something's not right here. You know, but as far as each individual race goes, once again, we are such a divided country here. And when you look at places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona, it's such a fine line now. I mean, I think we'll have many elections where it's a one or two point win one way or the other. There'll be many mm -hmm. elections that go down to the wire. And I okay. think that's the way it's going to be for a while here. So I would argue this. In a close, in a close run election using electronic voting, that is a, that would be a warning sign because you would swing, you would electronically swing votes on close results. That's been done in the past before. Yeah, uh, you know, look, there are people who say things like, "Why can't we just have, why can't we just vote on our computers?" Well, I mean, obviously, you know the answer there, right? Hacking would be incredibly easy, you know. And I don't know if anyone trusts the FBI and the CIA to have a secure enough system. And people within the FBI or CRA not fucking up the system, not getting in there and doing things they shouldn't be doing. So it, it seems that seems like a great system, right? You make it makes voting incredibly easy. Everyone's got a computer or a cell phone. You get a code. You put the code in. You put your vote. You put your, maybe a social security number in your code and you vote. Right. It, it seems very easy. But obviously it will. We don't have that. We don't have the hacking down yet. Right. 
we don't have the, the, the security against hacking down yet to do something like that. Well, so. it's worse than that, Mike. So look, I mean, I'm no expert, but I know enough. There is no such thing as in information architecture security. There isn't any, right? Yeah. The entire internet is open, wide open for people who have the right skills. And that's every intelligence agency worth its salt across the world. There's a kind of a, a bit of a sort of, I don't even think it's a well-kept secret. A recent mainstream article was written about it, which was pointing out that there aren't really that many secrets in the world anymore. There are only things that are kept from the great unwashed, but the people in power and in the intelligence services essentially know what the fuck's going on because they can all hack each other's devices. Every single thing is backdoored, right? Even, you know, we're talking, we're talking the literal chips that run anything and everything are backdoored. The CIA backdoored them um, and the other, other um, countries have backdoored them. If China's making them, China's backdooring them. Right. If, if, the C, if the CIA, if the US is producing the chip um, specs, they're backdooring them. That was all admitted by or covered by Snowden. So I would argue this, right? It is an absolute fool's errand for anyone, no matter how clever they think they are, to believe that you increase election integrity by increasing technological sophistication in it, the opposite is true. That's if, right. Yeah. If you want sense. a secure election, you yeah. should all be demanding absolutely all paper ballots on yeah. the day back to the way it was. And the reason why is because it fucking worked, and it worked for the entire duration of the American um, popular, uh, you know, uh, history, right? And, 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 and that's what I think you should do. If you want to try to improve that, you should literally start a campaign on eradicating all forms of electronic voting because it's corrupt as fuck. Well, it's, it's, it's incredibly corrupt. And you bring up, you know, all these, we had paper ballots for so long, but it's like, we also had, for 250 years, we we're also able to count the votes on one night. That also just right. recently, right? So we were mm -hmm. able to count the votes. We were able to count the votes in one night. And uh, and now we can't do that anymore. All of a sudden, if since twenty twenty, but and once again, there people forget. They forget so quickly. Like people forgot they said fifteen days to flatten the curve became thirty three years. But they also said they wanted to do the mail in voting because of COVID, right? Because this was in the middle of COVID, right? The fall of twenty twenty, and that they wanted to do the mail in ballots for COVID because people didn't want to go to polling places. Well, that was supposed to be temporary. So why are we still doing it? You see, they the Democrats. And really, it was it was the Democrats. It was probably the left that wanted this early voting, this mail-in voting, because they were all afraid they were all going to die if they went to the polling places. Mm. But this is people don't challenge this. In other words, their new normal becomes normal, right? So now the new normal is mail-in ballots, when it was supposed to be a temporary thing because of COVID. And mm. once again, when you allow it, this is once again goes back to lockdowns. When you allow it to happen at all. It, it, you're allowing it to happen forever. And that's the problem. You have to say no. We have to say no, we're not doing this. Yeah. And so what we really need now, I think, or a lot of, and it's happened mostly in Republican states, is you need this kind of mass mail-in voting to be illegal, to make these state, leg state legislatures make it illegal to have yeah. this crazy, look, look at this crazy system, man. You can mail in your ballot, you can you can fill it out and put it into like a ballot box in the middle of the street. You can bring it to the election election day. You can go and vote in person. You can, what is all these different ways of voting? Go vote. Go vote. 
We used to have one election day. No one ever complained about it for hundreds of years. They had an election day and people went and voted. Mm. Right. We had an election day and people went and voted. And for hundreds of years, no one ever said, oh, we need we need mail ins. No, 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 no. Automatically, automatically send a ballot to people. Let them let them fill it out a month and a half ahead of time. Let's have a month and a half of election, not one day of election. You know, when did election day become election month? Yeah. OK, well, another another issue with early voting is competitive advantage. Right. So imagine voting is largely based around an information stream. So you vote based upon what you think you know about the person you're voting for or the party or whatever. Right. Now, if you get a vote and then you vote six weeks earlier than everybody else, you can't change that if new information comes to light. And so so imagine, for example, that um, major corruption or criminality or something unsavory was exposed but you've already cast your vote. And in the light of that knowledge before prior to election day, you would have changed it that you're, you're, you're effectively foregoing all of that. And um, that's just one, that's just one aspect of early voting. Why you should be allowed to do that. I don't, I don't so, so, so far ahead. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but one question, one thing I'd say is this, I know that the, what I was going to say is sounds a bit vague, right. And a bit sort of big picture, but I do believe that this is there's elements of truth in this. I, I believe that socially in the Western world, we're now at kind of like a strange inflection point between the dying gen, the, the, the two oldest generations in society and the two or three youngest, right? Where the two or three youngest, apart from the very minority of Westerners who have volunteered to fight in wars that are not large scale wars. They are literally bully boy wars where we have gone and picked on a weakling and then bullied the fuck out of them and then used massive amounts of technological warfare against people who were medieval, right? right. Versus the generation that is now just that finished dying of World War Two, and then the, and then their children. OK, that's the contrast you've got between the two generational ends of the spectrum. And I actually believe that what's happening to society is a part, partly a mirror of the contrast between the hardship and the conscience, consciousness of, of the citizen struggle that's died out now with those World War II veterans and is dying out with their children yeah. versus the, the, the people who have been brought up purely in the internet age, purely in a world of devices, um, information that they don't even know is not real, and also zero privacy. And that change in mentality is huge, right? And it's the fact that, like, for example, um, and, and I'm sure this will be unpopular for me to say it, but the, the dying generation, the oldest generation is now. Do you think they really give a fuck about identity politics any more in any more of a sophisticated way than men, women, foreigners, non-foreigners? That's roughly the basic binary of sexism and racism at that generation. But now come down to today's generation and you're and you and you will find people who are willing to waste their time talking about sub 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 classifications of individuals right to the point where it's going but what purpose does this possibly serve you or society now i would argue that those people these generations are so mentally removed from what is actually sociologically important for everyone as a citizen group that i think that there's some things that that, that require citizen generational leadership right and I, what do I mean by that? Well, I would argue that what is most obvious in America, certainly, is that 
a generational campaign led by older people to say abandon technology in the voting system because that is the quickest way to reduce the amount of possible fraud would right. be one thing and then you could say then you could say, you know you'd imagine a debate where you're saying where you've got an old person at sort of 65 70 years old saying this is why we should do this and then some young whippersnapper comes along and goes no 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 because all convenience all of the thing all the da, 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 da. <laughs> right? now now once you set that debate up the 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 the, the technology guy cannot win it they, they they literally cannot win that argument because the evidence that they're lying or or wrong is already out there and it's been out there for decades, right? You just need to set that up. And then you just need to tie it because it becomes nonpartisan. Because then you just need to say, if you're if you think the the election was stolen from the Democrat you liked, or you think it was stolen from the Republican you liked, neither case would be hard would be really doable if we didn't have tech in the system. Right? So it doesn't matter who you like, if you want a fair election, do it, go this way. And then start with that generationally and then find one other killer generational argument and, and campaign on that to try to force or swing the, the citizen conversation back into common sense, away from madness, away from the madness of youth, really, is what I think. Yeah, well, I, I, that's it's a great point. You know, it's, it's, it's all very heady stuff. But I mean, I think... I, I think what, what uh, uh, I'm gonna let you go right now, Iggy. Thanks, for, thanks mm. for the call. I really appreciate it. No worries, mate. No worries. Because yeah. I, I want to get into a couple of other things, but yeah, I mean, there are there are a lot of ways we can do this, so we can change things. You know, we can brainstorm about this stuff. But I tell you, one way this is not going to change, and it's a point I made today: we're not going to have any any improvement in the election integrity of the voting process or the counting the votes process, which seems to be the most important thing here. If the left keeps yelling, election denier, election denier, every time we talk about real things like what's going on in Nevada and Arizona and how it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that a state takes five days to count votes. It shouldn't be a small state or a medium sized state taking days and days to count votes. OK, now it's 11 o'clock at night. We're going to stop. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. No, that's not. We shouldn't allow that. And that's not denying elections. But when the left keeps saying Oh, election denier, election denier, election denier. Every time we bring up these real issues, that's a problem. And speaking of election deniers, we talked about narrative. And I talked to Iggy about how Trump and uh, Trump, Biden and Democrats labeled all these Biden, all these Trump candidates as MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. And it may have worked. What happened to all this election? Remember the Biden and the Democrats were saying all these Republican candidates were election deniers. What happened to that? Everyone that lost conceded. Everyone that lost, once the votes were counted, conceded. You see, that whole thing was fake. That was a fake narrative. Trump had issues with his election in 2020. And some people said, yeah, he has a reason to have issues. And that made them these great election deniers. And the Democrats framed it as though these people were going to deny every election. The Democrats actually said, and Biden actually said at one point, that these people will deny every election unless they win them. Well, what happened? They all conceded. Because it was bullshit. It was a bullshit narrative, a total bullshit narrative that a lot of people went for. Now, who went for this stuff? What are the reasons? What's the main reason why it wasn't worse for Democrats? Well, look at the voting ages. Look at the demographics. 18 to 30 year olds went 22 points for 28 points, 28 points for Democrats. Every other age group above that went Republican. Every other age group above 30 
went double digits for Republicans, but 18 to 30 year olds went 28 for Democrats. And that was the largest margin. Okay, I think it was like plus 12 for 30 to 49 Republican plus 11 then plus 15. But plus 28 was the largest gap of any age group. And that was 18 to 30s. And that was for Democrats. So, of course, the liberals out there are like, thank the children. Thank the children. Oh, they saved us from a total wipeout. Well, no, no, don't thank the children. Curse the children. Or I'll be nice and I'll say the kids are not all right. Because these are the people, these are the basically 18 to 30s, the college age demographic, right? These are the people who are being influenced. This is why the left wants professors to be lefties who influence young minds. Now, we know this has been going on for a long time. So this is what, Generation Z? And you have people on the left saying, oh, Generation Z is going to be like this forever. Well, no, because we always talk about the youth being more towards the left or more for Democrats. That's always been the case, that teens and people in their 20s vote more for Democrats than Republicans. Maybe they came out a little bit more this time, but they eventually change. They eventually learn. They eventually realize they were brainwashed and they start looking at things on their own and they start living real life. And, and they change a little bit. They'll become more conservative than they were when they were younger. So I don't think this is like a generation that's going to be forever this way. But there's a reason why all those people, there's a reason why the younger generation voted for Democrats, because they have been brainwashed. They have been brainwashed into believing that abortion's illegal now, everywhere. And of course, the younger generation, hey, fuck that, man. I want to fuck without a condom. I want to have sex without a condom, baby. I want, if I want, women should be able to choose. We should be able to choose this. Women should be able to have unprotected sex. And come on, why should they have to take the pill? Why should I have to wear a condom? I don't want that shit. Come on. If, if, if abortion was illegal or uh, harder to get, maybe you might have to protect yourself. Maybe you might have to take a little bit more responsibility. They don't want to do that. Nah. Have fun, abortion. Have fun, abortion on demand. They want that. They believe in that. That's a problem. Hopefully they outgrow that. But this whole idea of professors indoctrinating them is true. Professors telling them this is the way, right? Vote for Democrats. That's the way. Democrats are great. Republicans are evil. And this is taught in many different ways, in simple or more profound ways, in many different ways and through colleges. And so it shows it works. It works. This is why Democrats want this. They want liberal professors being able to teach their their their. They want them to teach their politics to kids, not just the subjects, but they want their politics to seep in to brainwash the younger generation. It helps them at least temporarily at the polls. So, I don't think the kids are all right. I don't think the kids saved anything. And what's really a shame is that it's obvious that the brainwashing worked with this younger generation when it came to COVID, that they should have been locked out of schools, that they shouldn't have been able to work. But think about this with that young generation. That young generation enjoyed those checks. They enjoyed that unemployment. They enjoyed all that. And they see the Democrats as giving that to them, giving them this free stuff while they didn't have to do anything for two years. Even though it hurts society, they didn't seem to care. It's a very selfish generation. This Gen Z, I mean, the younger generation is generally a selfish generation, but this one seems to be the most selfish ever. So you have that which goes which goes into it, right? The kids are not all right. These things are not all right. This way of thinking is not a good way of thinking. It's not a positive way of thinking. It's, it's not a critical way of thinking. OK. 
And it's really hard to believe. I know Joe Biden wasn't on the, wasn't on the ballot. I understand that. But it's really disgusting to me that that generation of 18, 30 year olds is basically helping out a guy who's 180, who's been in Congress for 100, who's been who's been in politics for 100 years. They should not want that. They should see that as not a good thing. They should see that as not a good thing. Everyone should see that as not a good thing. Everyone should see Patty Murray in Washington as the left makes fun of Tiffany Smiley because of her name and she's young and beautiful. They shouldn't think that it's great that a woman, anyone, a woman, man can be a politician for 30 fucking years, be in the Senate for three in politics for three decades. That is not a good thing. It doesn't matter if there's an R or D next to her name. It's a shitty thing. It's a horrible thing. They get complacent and corrupt. All of them. All of them. Which is why we need term limits. But to think that Patty Murray winning to think about someone who's been in Congress for three decades beating a fresh face is good, is bullshit. Total fucking bullshit. And it's why so many politicians stuck. Because they get complacent and they know people are going to vote for them no matter what. Like Nancy Pelosi, like Chuck Schumer, like, what's his name? The, the, Mitch McConnell. We haven't heard from him in a while, have we? Karthik, I invited you and I'll get to you right now because I invited you. How you doing? I saw you were there and you left. Hi, what's up? Uh, not always nice to talk to you. Yeah, what's going um, on? So, uh, so, uh, uh, what do you think of the midterms? <laughs> you hear me? What do you think I've been, I've been talking about here for the last hour? Well, I was um, here for a few minutes earlier. What, what did you think of the the Herschel Walker race? Yeah, you got be you be specific about the midterms. So Herschel Walker. What do I think about Herschel Walker? Yeah, the 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 campaign, the the race, the result. There's there'll be a runoff, so I guess that's good. It's good if it's yeah. It's good if it doesn't if it doesn't decide the Senate. It's very good. If it decides the Senate, it's not very good because you remember in 2020 there were two races in Georgia. The Democrats needed to win both of them, and they did. So I I, I don't I, I don't I'm not confident Herschel Walker is going to win. Which means okay. If it, comes Do you to, if it comes down to Herschel Walker, the Democrats can keep the Senate. What I'm hoping for, what looks good now, is that the Republicans Laxalt wins in Nevada. And Masters wins in Arizona, and then Republicans have control no matter what, and Herschel Walker would be an extra vote. That's that's the best case scenario. Not relying on Walker to have to win. You oh, know? okay. I'm, I'm that I'm concerned about. I know that Abbott is very popular. He won easily. He could campaign for him. They're talking about DeSantis coming over from Florida to campaign for him. So that would that kind of stuff could help. The Libertarian candidate got two percent. Usually that goes to the Republican. That can help. But I don't want. Mm-hmm. I don't want all the marbles to be on Herschel Walker. I'll be honest. Yeah. Oh, you're not a big fan of him. I don't, I'm not a big fan of him winning. I think he's a good guy. I, I'm not. I, I like. I like Herschel Walker as as a as a per. I like his politics. I like the way he speaks. But I'm just not. He's not a seasoned politician. And Warnock yeah, is a preacher. Like he has a lot of uh, CT from football. Uh, probably, and you know, Warnock is just a. He's an incumbent. It's always tough to beat an incumbent. You know, people always defer to the incumbent and they're not quite sure about the other person. You know, so I just, I don't want, I'm not, you know, I'm not that confident about Herschel Walker. Yeah, well, like, so I, I'm in California, your state. So um, I, I, I didn't vote for my, uh, you know, for my representative because, you know, I'm tired of voting for two parties. I, I've actually never voted or done a Republican. I'm not going to. The only scenario where I could imagine myself of vote, vote, voting red yeah, as if the Republicans uh, managed to pass um, uh, Medicare for all, but right. that's never happening. So I, I'm never planning on being a Republican. But I kind of want Herschel Walker to win. 
just because it'll be hilarious. And he's like not, like, and he's different from like Marjorie Taylor Greene, where she's like, just like seems crazy. Like Herschel Walker just seems dumb to me, and like like dumb, but like in a in a uh, comedic way. I don't so think that's he's why dumb. I, I I'm kind of argue with you there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, argue with you on that one because I don't think he's dumb. I think he's a very simple, plain smoking guy. Plain spoken guy, which is I think why he had any chance at all in this race. I think because he speaks like regular Georgians and he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't, even though he's a football player, obviously a lot of money, millionaire, doesn't put on airs. I think, hey, isn't that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Carl. I, like, I, I really have to argue with you here. Okay. Wait a minute. So do you feel the same way about Fetterman? Oh, well, uh, well, F- Fetterman has his problems because of his stroke and he's like, clearly seems like a mess, like he couldn't speak or whatever. So I have a problem with him. But just to be clear, like, I don't think being dumb is like a bad thing. Like, I, I don't mean it as, as an insult. Like, I, I'm just saying that's how he is. But the, I think the people of Pennsylvania decided on him over Oz because he is like a local guy and he's a yeah, regular. Yeah, and Oz and he, is a, and he is a dresses in, He dresses in hoodies, you know, and he's plain spoken and he speaks in monosyllables and he's a regular guy. So that, as Pennsylvanians, that was good. But I mean, for Georgians, is it bad then if they vote for Herschel Walker? I mean, no, I, like I said, I I don't live in Georgia, so I didn't vote. And I and I, if I lived in Georgia, I wouldn't vote for either candidate. You know, I wouldn't vote for Warnock. I know you hate everybody. I know that. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it's because you know, because it's just the two sides of the same point. Because because then every election, it doesn't matter who runs or wins, uh, because uh, Goldman Sachs wins. Ah, Goldman Sachs. All right, bring out bring out a Bernie reference. Well, I, I can name others. You know, I can say I'm uh, a uh, Raytheon, Pfizer, uh, Chevron, Shell, <laughs> Chevron, Shell. Yeah, all those things. Ba- 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 Bi- yeah. you, I, you, you know, know what? You Discovery, see every Comcast. I, I can name them all. Yeah, you see every political candidate is like a race car driver with the things all over them, right? The advertising. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like, I, look, there might be some. Okay, I do think there are differences on the uh, local level. Like, yeah. I, I feel like uh, local politics do matter. But at the federal, you know, there are no elections. There are selections. Yeah. No, I, you know, I'm so, going to... So that's why I... I we've been down this road playing before. the uh, uh, red-red-blue game. Yeah. That's our game, baby. You don't want to play? You're not going to roll the dice? You don't, you don't, you're you not in? You're not, you're not putting your $2 in? But yeah, obviously, like, I do vote on the propositions always. I vote on the ballots. So, like I said, uh, local does matter. And even state to a certain extent. But um, I'd say federal, not really. No. All right. Okay, that's fine. I mean, a lot of people, you know, some guy was on the news yesterday, and he was saying he voted for, he talked about splitting the ticket, he voted for Abbott, but he didn't vote in the Senate race, because he feels that the, Ab- he felt that the governor has more control over his life than one senator does, and he's probably right. Okay, well, yeah, I, I do agree with that sentiment. Yeah, so there, there was a lot of that, actually, because people were like, wait a minute, Abbott won by seven points, and Walker's behind by a point, had that happen? Well, there were a lot of people who voted Abbott Warnock, but then there were a lot of people who didn't vote in the Senate race. They didn't like either person, like you. And they voted for Abbott, and then they just abstained in the Senate. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I definitely uh, uh, wouldn't vote for Abbott if I had to pick. Not I, Abbott, I, Kemp, Kemp. Abbott's in Texas. Oh, you're talking about Brian yeah. Kemp. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't vote Republican nor Democrat. Yeah. Um, I, I mainly vote in the local election. Why don't you write, well, I, you write yeah. yourself in? What? Write yourself in. Write your own. Uh, no, obviously, Mike, I, I, I'd have to write you in, man. Hey, everyone should write me in. This Obviously. is a, how about we do this campaign for twenty twenty. Everyone write me in every race. 
<laughs> See what I, I'll get a lot of votes, but I'm not going to win anything. I'll get like eight votes in each state. Yeah, <laughs> I won't win so, anything. So, uh, what 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 did you think of the Fetterman uh, Oz race? Because Fetterman was like a total mess, you know. Because I don't have to debate like he needed the well, top titles. I, the, the, I find it once again very hypocritical. The Democrats say, "Okay, Oz was from Jersey." What the fuck's the difference? It's a neighboring state. But anyway, they say Oz was from Jersey, so Pennsylvania didn't didn't connect with him like the homegrown monster. Well, how come New Yorkers had no problem electing Hillary Clinton senator when she's from fucking Arkansas? She was a total carpetbag. Yeah, yeah, it, it's all and that way, it everywhere. Didn't matter. She so she fit in with New Yorkers vibes, but Oz, who's from like eight miles away from the Pennsylvania border, supposedly right there. Jersey and Pennsylvania, to me, they're the same fucking state. It's like, oh my god, he's such an outsider. I'm sure people would disagree it's, with you on that. It's absurd. Karthik, it's absurd. That that reasoning is totally fucking absurd. And in a degree, it worked. Maybe enough that Fetterman won. But that it's idiotic. They just forgot that Hillary Clinton all of a sudden decided to go to New York and move and get an apartment so she could run for Senate there, and she's from fucking Arkansas. It's not exactly a bordering state. Come on. Well, it's yeah, like, well, I, I would never vote for Char- uh, Oz because he's a total charlatan because I just show he he was pushing all sorts of uh, treatments that he knew didn't work, yeah. and and like he and he's flip flopped up on a bunch of positions. Like what is before. this as in diet pills? Who, what is this about? Can you explain this to me? No, no, he, he was pushing a lot of uh, I, I forgot the exact name of it specific treatments, but he was pushing a lot of like treatments like various pills or just like various treatments. Oh, for stuff oh wait, that, so that, so that, I understand why it bothered you, but that bothered Democrats. But Fauci pushing his shit didn't bother Democrats, Does dude. Mike. You know, like we we agree on COVID, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we. Uh, I, I don't like any of them, as I said before. No, um, I'm not saying you're consistent, but it's amazing that uh, there have been Democrats, there have been liberals who I've, I've heard say that about Oz. Oh, he pushed, he pushed shitty diet pills. Oh, that's oh, what is oh my well, god? It was a lot more than, than just Tony diet Fauci, pills. You killed yeah, millions of people with his vaccines and his fucking AZT. He's okay. He's a good guy. Oh my god. Oh. Well, yeah, it, it wasn't just diet pills. It was like actual treatments for like actual um, illnesses, uh, like serious yeah. illnesses. The um, guy's a heart doctor, though, isn't he? He's a heart surgeon. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is, but he was like pushing treatments for stuff that he knew didn't work. It was just because he was getting money for it. But a lot of TV guy, a lot of TV guys do that. I mean, you watch Fox News and Mike Huckabee's pushing that relaxium sleep and you read the reviews. And oh, stuff. yeah, I, I know. But he was pushing this on his doctor show, you know, the Dr. Oz medical yeah, yeah, TV the doctor show. Was, yeah. Yeah, and, and Mike Huckabee is just like pushing ads, but Dr. Oz was saying this is like an actual medical treatment, you know? And he's saying this as a physician where Mike Huckabee is just a uh, another child. And this was before he was in politics, before yeah. when was he Oz, seen Oz respected as a TV doctor. You know, Oz so I do think there's a difference. Yeah, when, you, when you compared Oz and Fetterman to me, there was no, you, you couldn't vote for Fetterman. There's, there's just no way. You couldn't. You well, could. yeah, I, I have my own reasons besides the stroke stuff. Um, no, I'm not even yeah. talking about the stroke. I'm talking about like just. His whole act to me, they said Oz is a faker, is a phony. But that, that whole that whole hoodie act to me, I'm a regular guy thing, is bullshit. Total bullshit. Well, no, it's just, I, I'm not even talking about the uh, hoodie stuff. I, I really don't care. I'm neutral on the hoodie. Like, I, I can tell it's kind of an act, but yeah. I really don't. Because cause, hey, cause, gonna, cause Fetterman went to Harvard, actually. Is he going like to show MBA from Harvard? Hoodie? Is he going to wear his hoodie on the Senate floor? <laughs> is he be I, I really don't care. Like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm neutral either way. <laughs> That's too much. Well, yeah, these races are what they were. And I think now we have to just, you know, there's always this push after an election on election night where they go, oh, my God, disaster, disaster. And in the end, come Monday, Republicans can still control the House and Senate. So, you know, this whole thing of like, oh, my God, it was a disaster. What happened? Look, in the end, they're probably 
more likely than not going to have control of both chambers of Congress. Well, and, yeah, but, but it may be decided with the runoff in December. So it may not be Monday. No, no. What I'm saying is it's very possible if they win Arizona and Nevada and the votes should be counted, hopefully they can count the votes by Monday after maybe taking the weekend off, you know, and we can get finally get the results a week later. It may not come down to that runoff. So we'll say, I hope. Yeah, we, we'll wait. Uh, you know why it's a better idea? If, if you hate money in politics, but I know you hate money in politics. I know that. You know how much money is going to go into that race in Georgia if it means Oh, yeah. Uh, There's going to be millions and millions. Uh, if it doesn't tens. mean control, there'll be a lot less money. There'll be a lot less money if it doesn't mean control. So that, that's what I'm hoping for. I don't want more money going into this shit. We've had enough. Yeah, and I'm sure, I, I'm sure even if, if whether decides or doesn't decide. No, but I'm saying there will be money, but there'll be Yeah, yeah I'm so just saying that. that. I'm sure Stacey Abrams will be involved. Yeah, if the stakes are as high as the as control of the Senate, it, it's going to be tons of money. Tons of money, you know, so hopefully that won't happen. Yeah. So, happen. so yeah. if Republicans control the Senate and the House, uh, as a Republican yourself, uh, what would you want them to do? Holy shit, I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent. Oh, I my mistake, for... sorry. I, sorry, my mistake. As, as somebody who votes Republican, at least. For the first um, time yesterday. Yes, thank you. Yeah, congrats. Uh, what would you want them to do? What do I want to do when? With what? With what? Like once they get into office next year. I want hearings on COVID. You know what? I don't. They're talking about hearings on the COVID and Fauci and then hearings on Hunter Biden. Sure. Oh, I understand the idea of the Hunter Biden stuff. But to me, that's secondary to COVID. You know, I think I think it and I don't want them to obscure the COVID thing with the Hunter Biden stuff. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to all lump it into the same thing. We need to have hearings to find out where the fucking thing started. The hearings about the, the methods that we use, the mandates, the lockdowns, all of that stuff. What Fauci really knew, what he lied about. What he, I want all of that stuff out there. That, to me, is the most important thing they can do. Now, hearings wise, if you're talking legislation wise, get, getting this economy in order. I mean, getting inflation down. Stopping the spending, uh, you know, stop spending like a fucking whore on a holiday like Democrats love to do. I mean, at some point that needs to be a priority. Um, the economy has to be has to be a priority. You know, uh, Karthik, they're not doing health care. So you can forget that one. Yeah, I know. That's why I said I'll never vote Republican. Well, uh, uh, unless uh, did the Democrats do health care? No. That, well, as, as I as I told you, I don't, I don't vote Democrat either. Yeah. But we do need health care reform that I, I, I would hope both parties would understand. I know health care. Did you notice, Karthik, that health care all of a sudden wasn't an issue this year? Well, yeah, that's because Joe Biden, you know, doesn't doesn't want to do anything about it. That's why it was never talked about. Well, what was what's stunning to me and I was talking about this uh, with a, to a friend is like in 2016. I know a lot of this was because of Bernie. But yeah, I, 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 did you vote for Bernie? It was like the number one issue. When they took polls, everyone was like, healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. And, it just and went away. in the 2020 primary as well for Democrats. Yeah, and all of a sudden it wasn't even top 10. Two years later, it's not even, people totally yeah. forgot about it. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, did you vote for Bernie in 2016? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. how about 2020? Yes, I've said it a million times. Okay, I just forgot. You know, I, I didn't want to uh, zero. But I'm telling you one thing, Karthik. I ain't voting for Bernie in 2024. That's, that's out of Well, the yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm not voting for King Cuck Bernie. <laughs> my, my days of voting i tell you what i'll make a blanket statement my days of voting for anyone who's uh 80 78 to 83 is over i'm not voting for him because he's a total cuck he's only going to do what joe biden his good friend yeah, allows yeah, him yeah. to do yeah yeah he's very happy yeah. 
He's very yeah, happy. 2020, he, he, he was running to be president. He was running to be Joe Biden's campaign manager. Yeah, no, Bernie's yeah, very happy. Awesome. Establishment Democrat. The establishment Democrats, he was cursing. We're going to go after the Republican establishment. We're going to go after the, the the Democratic establishment. He hates so much. He's he was he was campaigning. Well, yeah, but now he's like best friends with them. Yeah, he's, he's happy they won. He's happy they won. He's happy yeah. they won. Full of and shit. he's even uh, early in Joe Biden's campaign. He even said that he's not going to push for any uh, bills that Joe Biden doesn't support already. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it, that's the end of his career, right? Yeah, exactly. Karthik, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And okay. We'll call later in the week. We'll talk more as the results come in. If you want, if you want to ask me about other races, I'll be happy to talk about it. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Um, what I what I wanted to talk about towards towards the end of the show here is uh, Twitter. I got my blue check mark today. Did anyone else get their blue check mark? Raise your hand. Okay, I can't see. Do a do a thumbs up. I'm probably the only. Am I the only loser who got? Am I the only loser who paid for the eight dollars for the blue check mark today? I'm just waiting for someone to. Okay, I'm probably the only loser who paid for the eight dollar blue check mark today. But I paid for the eight dollar blue check mark today. But what I've noticed is this is a very hinky system. So I paid for the eight dollars and I got my blue check mark. But you can only see, you can only see blue check marks. For the people who paid the $8, you can only see it if you have an iPhone. In other words, if you go on your Samsung phone, anyone who pays the $8, you cannot see their blue check mark. So I'm writing to Elon Musk right now. He never answers me. I might have to just, since I'm a five-minute walk to Twitter headquarters, I might have to just go knock on the door. But I don't understand that. So I paid my $8, but only iPhone users. Now, I can see the blue check marks of people that had them before Elon Musk took over. But for the people who paid the subscription, including myself, I cannot see the blue check mark on a Samsung phone, which is incredibly odd. Hopefully they'll fix that. Plus, all those extra perks you're supposed to get aren't they're coming soon. So right now all you get for the eight dollars is the blue check mark verification. You don't get anything. You don't get the added visibility, you don't get the editing skills, the video stuff, not nothing. So hopefully that'll that'll come sooner rather than later. But what I've noticed with the blue check mark system is that now even though I hated the old system, I, I didn't agree with it. And I think this puts you more on a, on a level playing field. Now what people are doing is they're creating fake accounts. I guess people have money to spend, huh? money to burn. This will end after a while, but they're spending the $8. They're getting a blue check mark, and then they're making the account fake. In other words, they're spending $8, getting a blue check mark, then putting President Biden or putting Elon Musk or putting New York Yankees. or put, You know what I'm saying? So it's, it, it's gotten to confuse people. Because they're used to being able to see that blue check mark, knowing that was really Elon Musk, that was really Joe Biden, that was really a sports team. So what people are doing just to be bastards, just to be spiteful bitches, is they're paying eight dollars, and they're doing this. They're getting the blue check mark, and then they're putting a real name next to it, and it's confusing everybody. And now Twitter has to go through the process of finding all these fake accounts and and deleting them. I'm guessing after a while people will stop doing that because every time they create an account and pay the $8 and it gets deleted, they got to do it over again. I'm sure people will stop spending that money after a while. So I think it'll work itself out in the end. But I noticed that's what people are doing now. Today was crazy with the fake accounts. Crazy. And I think they're doing it because they want to try to screw over Elon Musk and try to, you know, show everyone his system doesn't work. But I think it will in the end once they once they uh, get all the kinks out of it. Um, I'd love to have Elon Musk on this podcast. I mean, he should come on. I know it's not... Like, you know, I know I'm not Joe Rogan, but I live in San Francisco. I'm 10 minutes away from Twitter headquarters. And I think 
I think he'd enjoy it. I think he'd enjoy coming on. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try. I'll try to reach him. If anyone out there knows Elon, I know David Sachs, who runs Call-In, is a friend of Elon Musk. So, David, if you listen to this show, get in touch with Elon. And you know what? Why not? What David Sachs, who runs Call-In, should have Elon go on all the shows on Call-In, right? It would boost his network. And if they're friends, Elon Musk should do it. So if you're David, David Sachs, why don't you ask Elon to come on the shows who want him on? Even if it's for 10, 15 minutes a show to boost the show and boost your network. I think that's a, a great idea. I think I'll write to David Sachs. I got to write to Elon Musk now and I got to write to David Sachs. Anyway, um, but um, I want to see if there's anything else I wanted to say. There's Elon Musk, blue check marks, the demographics, the voting. No, we just got to get this voting thing down. There's absolutely no reason whether you're a Democrat or a Republican that you think it should take a week to count votes. Why things have to stall and then people go to sleep. Why don't they have shifts? I I don't get it. It it makes no sense in this country, in supposedly the most developed country in the world, the richest country in the world, that we can't have a system where you get the votes counted quickly. It does not lend confidence. It It does not inspire confidence and lend credibility to the system when you do that. And like I have said before, when it comes to Pelosi lying or Biden lying, me not believing things that some people say are absolutely true. And I talked about the boy that cried wolf syndrome. This is their own fault. People don't have confidence in elections and it's their own fault. It's the state's fault. It's the government's fault. It's not our fault. It's their fault. And it has to change. All right. Well, I think I've gotten over my, I think this show helped me get over my post-election hangover. That, and I've also had an energy drink. Um, But we have a couple more shows this week, so we'll see what happens. Maybe by Friday's show, we'll have more results out of Nevada and Arizona. We don't have to wait the whole weekend to figure this thing out. But the way it stands right now is if the Republicans win Nevada and Arizona in the Senate, they will control the Senate. If they win Nevada or Arizona, they will then need it'll then go down to Georgia. If they lose, which is not going to happen, both Nevada and Arizona, the Democrats will control Congress, uh, control the Senate. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think it's looking good now for the Republicans to win outright before the runoff next month. And I hope that's the case. All right. Thanks for listening. The show, by the way, airs Monday through Friday night. 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. over in London. Uh, It's in Let's Be Heard. I once again have lost my tagline about voting for Democrats, and I'm waiting for suggestions on a new tagline. But until then, I'll just end the show by saying I'm Micah Chopley. Thanks for listening, and I will be right back here tomorrow night. Thanks.